The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor, and with me today in studio is one of my favorite New York personalities, <laughs> gossip reporter Rob Shooter. He's the founder of NaughtyGossip.com, columnist for the National Inquirer, and he's the guy you always want seated next to you at a dinner party because he knows all of the dirt. Welcome, I, Rob. Thank you. A sex column? I didn't realize that was the gig. Should I take my clothes off? <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I'm ready. No one's done that yet, but maybe we should get really Howard Stern on this. You should get really... I want to see boobs and willies, and that's now the thing after Orlando Bloom. Yes. It's all about a willy. Which is exactly what we're here to talk about. I invited <laughs> Rob because, in addition to being a gossip, he used to be a celebrity publicist for people like Jennifer Lopez and I Jessica did. Simpson, the heights of their fame, their most dramatic relationships and breakups. <laughs> so he's been helping me understand the world of celebrity sex through a series of Q&As on NY Mag. He tells me about managing celebrity breakups. Most recently, he told me about staging paparazzi shots like Orlando Bloom's willy and Justin Bieber's <laughs> willy shots. We have the best lives. Can you imagine we get paid? I went to university. I got my master's, thank you very much, in political science. Really? And I, I earned my living talking about Kim Kardashian's bottom, and I wouldn't change a thing. The politics, <laughs> the, the, the global warfare that Kim Kardashian's bottom You know causes. what, though? Actually, as ridiculous as this sounds, yeah. my political degree, thank you very much, was actually really helpful in what I do now. <laughs> Wait, how so? Because I've always wanted to know how you got into the celebrity I met, world. I met my, um, I was getting my master's in, at Edinburgh, so I failed Oxford and Cambridge, so the third <laughs> choice is is Edinburgh. So everybody goes to Edinburgh, where Kate Middleton went until she found out Prince William was up the street at St. Andrews. I heard and this she rumor. transferred. So that was really like yeah, a so calculated P- choice. Pippa, Pippa was at Edinburgh. Uh-huh. And so um, and St. Andrews was a little bit up, up in the Highlands. It wasn't uh-huh. quite as a fun. Edinburgh's a fun city. Like it's yeah. a really great place to go to school. And um, they went up to um, St. Andrews. And so she chased him. Like she definitely got, I wish I'd gone to St. Andrews. I could now <laughs> be sitting in the palace instead of talking to you. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I started in Edinburgh. I'm not rich. My family weren't rich, but education's great over there because it's free. And um, while I was there, I got a job selling ice creams in the Edinburgh Playhouse, the theatre. Like ice cream, the dessert ice cream. Yeah, like so in Britain at theatre, intermission, so when when the chandelier (laughs) drops in Phantom, an usher runs down the aisle with chocolate or vanilla ice creams. Uh So they don't do it here in America, but in Britain you buy an ice cream at intermission. And I literally ran down the aisle with a bolero jacket on and a straw hat and (laughs) sold ice creams to rich Americans who were visiting Edinburgh to see the castle. One of those rich Americans I fell in love with and I married. So I met my boyfriend in uh-huh. Edinburgh. He's, he's an American. And so after I finished my, uh, my studies, I came here on a student visa, Melania Trump. I know all about these visas. <laughs> and so I came here on a student visa just to test out the relationship because it's kind of like, you know, you meet someone you've dated like a couple of months and yeah. then you live together. But if it's you intense. leave the country, I'm not moving, you know, in an apartment down the street. We're going to live together. And so um, we tested it out for a summer and it worked and then I moved to America. So I got here. Yeah, 20 years. So you moved to New York then? Came to New York, got an internship at a um, Broadway press office. And Mm -hmm. so it's the only job I get. I think people try to plan their careers. Forget it. 
it's, it, you send your resumes everywhere. The first person that says yes, that changes your life. Nobody yeah. plans to do stuff unless you're really rich and you can wait around for the job you want to come up. Most people have to take the first job they're offered. So I sent out a billion resumes and the first person that actually said yes was an antique video store. When I say antique, it only rented movies from like the 40s or before. So I had like six oh movies. Gosh. But I loved it. Because all I did was watch film noir and black and white movies So this all is day. how you get interested in entertainment business, I would yeah, imagine. I always liked it. I always I always liked celebrities in Britain. Like I always yeah. like remember going to Debenhams department store to see like a Wonder Woman sign a fragrance bottle. Like I always thought <laughs> celebrities were glamorous. And I think in Britain, you know, we have the royal family who are really basically just the big celebrities. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't do anything but like be fabulous. And so uh, my first job was in a Broadway press office where we did the press for all those Disney shows on Broadway. I thought I was going to be hanging out with like Paddy Lapone and like <laughs> yeah. all these fabulous Broadway stars like Bernadette Peters. Uh-huh. I got like the second spoon from the left in beauty. The other piece. So I had like just like the tea part. So I started like yeah as a Broadway publicist. It was fun, and that's that's how I really started like my career in, in, in PR was was just by chance. It was the only place that would take me without a green card. So I sort of worked there as an intern over the summer. I loved it. It was really fun. So the first thing I want to play for you, and I know that you have some inside Kardashian dirt from back in those <gasps> days. I want to play a clip from last week's Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It's right when it opened, and the minute I heard them talking about this, a celebrity setup. I was like, oh my God, I need to ask Rob if this is how it usually goes. <laughs> oh, an agent texted me two days ago and said, hey, there's this new player. He really is into your sister. And I go, which one? And he goes, Kendall. And then he, Kendall and I Googled him. We decided she's not into him, whatever. So then he says, okay, is the other sister Kylie down to talk? Yeah, just like going through the rotation. And Kendall was like, how dumb are you? <laughs> That's so gross. Malika, she's like the best sidekick because she's down for whatever. But I saw Malika do some crazy things last night. <laughs> so, Rob, when they say agent, are they talking about like an agent, like a uh, like a talent agent? Yeah, it could be a manager or an agent or, or a publicist. Or um, I think celebrities have really figured out that together they're times two. And yeah. I think that everybody, including like Tom Cruise, the biggest maybe star in the world, has figured out that when he married Katie Holmes, the, the world exploded. Yeah. Brad and Angelina together were bigger than what they were apart. Um, when it's I would... more. It's not just that it's them plus. It's like it, it becomes exponentially exactly, larger. Exactly. And then their families merge and they have famous families. It just, yeah. it takes on a, a sort of like a life of its own. So I think a lot of times, and certainly the Kardashians know this and they're so honest about it, it sort of increases your celebrity. And, um, you know, celebrities have been doing this for years. I went to recently a housewife party mm-hmm. and Ramona Singer, who's the one that's divorced from her husband who was caught cheating, she was on the red carpet with this really, really hot guy, younger, mm-hmm. really, really good looking, definitely a model. And then after they did the carpet, she didn't really speak to him. And so I went running over. Yeah. And he gave me his card. And he's a working model, not a prostitute. Definitely make that clear. <laughs> he's a working model. He was there. To be photographed. To be photographed. And she was there to have a, a young hot guy a, a, on her arm. How, so how does the logistics of that ask happen? Like, how does this agent reach out? Uh, what they'd say. Oh, when she says player, she's probably talking about like a basketball yeah, player, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe a football player, basketball player, soccer player. Who knows? Some, some sports guy. Not soccer. Soccer one's never going to be in. David Beckham got in. Well, maybe in England, all right? Like, back in Edinburgh. (laughs) Out here, we're talking basketball. talking basketball. (laughs) They would call and say, he's going to this big event, or he's got this big premiere. Do you want to go? 
he's walking this carpet at this charity. Do you want to be his date? Mm-hmm. Uh, Madonna did it all the time. She does it a lot in Britain. Sometimes they actually, if you don't want someone famous, but you just want someone pretty, uh-huh. you can get modeling agencies to send over their books and you flick through them almost like a Tinder. Is that like, <laughs> and you, you pick, you pick your face. Like a, a, a literal Facebook. Yeah. Li- li- <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. A literal Facebook. Why so don't I get to date you this way? Literally, uh, you could do that. Now, if it's more intense and you're looking for a wife, like Tom Cruise, allegedly, yes. you can sort of have your eye out there and pick and choose. You know, Lindsay Lohan's mother has talked about the fact that Lindsay was one of those girls that were being vetted. That Lindsay, for Tom Cruise. For Tom Cruise, that she messed that up. Can you imagine if he had married her? Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have been delicious. The world would have truly that would have been exploded. Delicious. <laughs> but they did that for the cameras. So mm-hmm. this isn't for a date. Every, their whole life, the Kardashians, this is. Yes. Their whole life is about that camera. It's not about a premiere. It's not about a charity. It's not even about an emoji work app or a lip gloss uh, you know, product, that's for the camera. Those are all tools to yes, get it there. For, for yeah. that. I always say it, someone's heart of their fame has to be an anchor. And when mm. you lose that anchor, the whole puzzle falls apart. And so um, if you're a singer, you can make movies and you can make fitness videos and you can do beauty lines, but you've got to keep that anchor of what made you famous there. Bethany Frankel. Her anchor is is her reality show. So she Mm -hmm. can sell her vodkas and her skinny girl T-shirts and her low-fat peanuts and all that other stuff she sells. But she needs that anchor there for the reality show to to hold it all together. Another example, there used to be this really famous columnist in New York, Stephen Kochakora, Kojo. He was Mm -hmm. a fashion guy and he got too maybe big for his bridges. He, he, He had his own column in People magazine. And then because of that, he was on Entertainment Tonight. Then he got a gig on the Today Show. It's lovely. And it's happened to me a little bit that you get invited to different shows and then you get sort of contracts with them and you become a regular guest. TV's intoxicating. It's delicious. <laughs> I love doing TV. I love being on Wendy. I love doing Kathy Lee and Hoda. But what, what my anchor is, is naughty gossip. So yeah. Kojo quit people to become a full-time TV star. And the mistake he made is that the reason he was a TV star was because he had a column in People magazine. It's a trick because you it's, need something you else need to justify the that. And, and we're all smoking mirrors to a certain extent. And it's <laughs> always a tap dance. Like I'm yeah. always like dancing as fast as I can. But there has to be some element of truth. There has to be something that grounds you into a real job. There's so many people, we know lots of them, particularly in New York, that want to be on TV, that want to be pop culture experts, that want to do your podcast. But they've got to also put in the work. As silly as I am, and I'm very aware of my own joke, like I I mean on my own joke, I get up every morning and I do the work. And I have a silly little website and I get up every day and I post 10 bloody items and it is a pain in the ass. And on the way here, I was texting everybody I know to try and get items for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so part of the success is you have to put in the work there's no sh- it's like going to the gym you got to go every day and you got to do it for oh, I hate I, I've never been <laughs> I, I, but this is well, a, I've been told this is what I've been told like if you go every day Sam's nodding do you go if you go every day you look like Sam if you, if you don't you look like us but, it, but if you got to put in the work and so um, that's my sort of rant about that back to the Kardashians yes I was almost Jonathan Chevin, who's Kim's best friend. I used to. Work. How did you lose that? Oh my, God, I'm so stupid. Can you imagine where I'd be sitting instead of here if I was? You like, know, there I... was a time when I really didn't. I didn't understand the concept of Jonathan Chevin and like his existence. Now I'm obsessed. Three text names we call him. I'm obsessed. Yes. So, I used to work for Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. and so when I was working for Paris, Kim was this foreign, exotic-looking, slightly hairy stylist. 
Like she had not yet become Kim. Yes. No contouring. Mm-hmm. No waxing of the moustache. No, really? like she she looked, you know, like free. Like she still had the one eyebrow. She didn't. Oh, that's kind of romantic. Oh, I loved. I wish him. I'd seen that. I loved, Kim. but she wasn't fabulous. Yes. She wasn't famous, and I yes. loved her famous. So we went for dinner one night, and somehow. There were seat assignments at the dinner. So it must have been someone fancy. You know, those, those publishers, like all those magazines, those freebies that come, Hamptons and all yeah. that shit. So we probably went for a dinner and I wasn't sitting next to Paris. So mm-hmm. I switched my card with Jonathan. Uh-huh. And so I ended up next to Paris, which did me a lot of good nothing. Jonathan <laughs> was next to the Spanish looking girl with the moustache. That and girl that turned out to, to be Kim Kardashian. That's how Jonathan met Kim that night. And he still makes fun of me. He's like, if I hadn't been such a dick <laughs> and literally switched those cards, I now could be literally keeping up with the Kardashian. Oh, well. Paris and Kim, well, part of the genius of sort of several of Paris's friends was like, say, Kim recognizing that two is better than one, that even if it's a BFF friendship, that doubling yeah, does I mean, more. They, they did. I mean, the hard thing is, is when you double up and one overtakes you. And I yes. had it a little bit when I worked with Jessica because when she Jessica married... Simpson. Yeah, when she married Nick, Nick was the star. Nick, really? Yeah, Nick had sold records. There was no prenup because Joe wanted her to get half of Nick's money if they broke up. Father, yeah, so that, who was famously her, her dad manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they got married... Nick was the star. Nick was the one that had a few records. He wasn't in sync. He wasn't the Backstreet Boys, but 98 Degrees had right. sold a few records. Oh, 98 Degrees was all my yeah. middle school dancing. They, they, exactly. They, they, they could sell out. They wouldn't sell out the garden, but they could do a, mm-hmm. a concert at a medium-sized venue. Jessica was playing state fairs. Yeah. Jessica was not a B-list Britney or Christina Aguilera. She wasn't really existing. Like, you know, I think Joe jo had her doing car dealerships in Texas. Like, wow. She had like a couple of records. How did they meet? I don't know because I came in during the divorce or just before the divorce. But was the divorce already the horizon when you? No, because well, I got hired by Ashley after SNL. So oh. after she lip synced, so you cleaned that up. Yeah, I tried to. Like, how did you clean that up? Wasn't it acid reflux <laughs> the story that went through? That happened before me. So before oh. I got there, when you make a mistake, tell the truth. Just just <laughs> tell the truth, and then shut up talking about it again. Stop talking about it. Like I said to her, the S word, SNL, is like the <laughs> N word. You should never, ever say it. You should never say it. And if you're asked about it, you should not. Like, just shut up. And it's such good advice in life. Like, don't run away from stuff, but you don't have to put more oxygen on the fire. Mm-hmm. So when you get yourself in trouble, just shut up. Shut up. Like, if you ask me a question I don't want, I'll be like, hmm. It's a really good tip and I learned it. So before I had a green card, I volunteered at Gaiman's Health Crisis answering mm. the hotlines. It was meant to be anonymous, but they all thought I was like Mary Poppins because the accent. So everyone, like, they all knew it was me. <laughs> the we Mary Poppins of, <laughs> oh my God, my dick is Gamers making a weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned so much there because for six weeks you have to do this intense program about answering phones. And these are people that could commit suicide. These are really, really frantic yeah. calls. You're the last stop before something bad could happen. And I was there with my binders and my notes and like, all Martha Stewart are so ready to help them and give them phone numbers and tell them where to go and where to get a blood test. Shut up. All they wanted you to do was make noises. All they wanted you to do was listen. Mm-hmm. And like you're doing so. it now. <laughs> you're doing it now. You're teaching me. And that's, that's what celebrities learn in crisis management. 
Mm-hmm. Another one that taught me, they used to be uh, still around, as rude of me, Richard Johnson, who ran page six oh, yeah. before he left. Richard told me once he gives celebrities and publicists enough rope to hang themselves. And they just keep talking. Like, yeah, he does that. Richard told me once he timed himself to see how long he could be on a call and not speak. <gasps> that is mm. so hard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. See, like, it's fat. I mean, it's terrible for a podcast, but. <laughs> But it's such an interesting thing. Should well, we edit it. We'll edit out the like the blank, the emptiness, well, until we get the moment of you saying, ah, "That's it." I suggested people's dick or something. I, I didn't. I didn't. That, but that's what you'll want. And also, too, on email and on Twitter, it's such. I got an email yesterday that really pissed me off, but it could have got me in trouble. And I went to respond, and I didn't hit send. Phew, thank God. Then I did my laundry. Calm down. And then I came back and just hit delete. And yes. It, and it went away. So wise. It's really hard, and especially when someone comes at you, at you like, we're, we're all like little terriers in New York, like, like ready to fight. And so when someone comes at me, I'm the first to punch back. And I've learned to just stop and just, it goes away. Wait, so let's go back okay. to the Jessica's divorce. So you're managing her. You told me the most PR, crazy. not managing. Oh, sorry, pardon. PR. Her father's managing. Yeah. You told me some of the craziest information when you were talking about. The ways that celebrities stage their paparazzi shots. And you told me some delicious details about Jessica and her father. Yeah, yeah it's it's big picture here. You can always tell when you're looking through a magazine or, or at my website. <laughs> Naughty Gossip, thank you very much. When you're looking through a magazine or at a website, you can always tell a staged photograph because they're flawless. Yes. So if Tom Cruise is in Central Park at nine in the morning and Suri's on the swings and she's in a ball gown and he's in full hair and makeup, that is probably staged. Or, as you pointed out when we looked at the back-to-back, Orlando Bloom was photographed. Yes. Nude, paddleboarding with Katy Perry. And then two days later, his romantic rival, Justin Bieber, was photographed with his dick out for the second yes. time. And you went through those two and told me which one was staged and which wasn't. Did I convince you? Oh, completely. So if you, tell, look, at, tell, if you, look, at, if you look at the Justin picture, it's very beautiful. It's very carefully edited and staged and his penis looks great it's fluffed that yes. isn't a willy that's jumped out of water and as you point out there's only about three of those photos yes in existence whereas say Orlando Bloom there's you know a hundred a paparazzo so they say it's a set so when a photographer stumbles upon you in the woods at a house jumping out of a pool having sex smoking marijuana doing cocaine when a, when a f- photographer stumbles upon you he takes what we call is a set of pictures and it's an automatic click so they can yeah. literally take a thousand pictures in two minutes. So mm-hmm. they don't take a picture. They aim the camera at you and the automatic click takes a thousand pictures. They have like a stop motion Yeah, exactly. And then that set is then for sale. And it almost looks like a movie. There's that many stills, that many frames that if you look at them really quickly with one eye shut, which I love to do, it looks like a movie. Like, oh, you can actually see them moving their hands or like moving their willy. or like It's great. That's a set. Now, they sell for a lot of money. One or two pictures is not a set. And I don't believe any photographer that stumbled upon you and happen to be lucky enough to capture this picture would take two pictures and then be like, oh, I'll put down my camera. I'll have a cup of tea. Oh, I'll text my friends. There's no way that would happen. So the fact that there was only two pictures released of Justin tells me there was a hundred taken 
him and his manager and his team picked their two or three favourites. They added a little, you know, a little bit of a lens to them, like we all do on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They put themselves. They might have put a, you know, might have added a little few inches where it where it counts. Because <laughs> we've seen pictures that have different sized dicks, but uh, yeah, so there was different pictures out there. So I think, and Justin looked so fresh faced. He looked like he had some moisturiser on his lips, had a little bit of gloss on them. Poor Orlando had like leaves from the beach on his ass. Like there was like <laughs> sand on his balls. Like you know, the other, the other telling thing is that Justin also was with a girl he was, who knows, friends with, dating, banging, who a model who was like not a model who's really broken through. Right. And she had all these topless. She had a flower crown yes. on. She might have made him do it. Like if I was her, I would have oh, said yeah. to him, if I'm with you for two days, don't buy me a diamond ring. I want a picture with you with your dick out and I will be beautiful. Yeah. Like behind you, like all moisturized. And poor Katie had a big old gut hanging out and a boob falling out of a bikini that looks like she got from Forever 21. Like, <laughs> It was, and then, that was uh, them truly justification. Yeah, literally, his dick on her shoulder. <laughs> like, it was not a good look for Katie. That was a true, true picture. So when I was with Jess, Joe Simpson was actually her photographer. Joe would take the pictures. I mean, it's a bit creepy, I guess. Like she was in a bikini and stuff, and he'd be like, "Oh, Jess pose. Oh, yeah, yeah." And then he would he would sell the pictures. So Joe, um, Joe controlled those images. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? It's amazing. I mean. You said he literally would get photo credits in the magazine. Well, he was so proud of it. He actually was a... He's a photographer now. That's what he wanted to be. So he's always wanted to be... he does now work as a photographer. Yeah, he wanted to be a a photographer. It was his passion. Jess is a good person. I've worked for a lot of people. They're not always good people. Jessica Simpson's someone that I still like have a crush on. Jessica Simpson's yeah. someone that I still like. I'd love to bump into her, see her again. Like I really, I have such fondness for her. She's kind. She was in such a shitstorm of PR, but she's a good person. And like, if she was in town tonight, we'd mm. all go for dinner. And she would pay, which mm. isn't necessary, but she would. She'd send her car to take us home. Like she enjoyed being famous and rich and wealthy because she shared it. And she really did enjoy it. And she would really look at you and know your name. And she would laugh and you might go dancing afterwards. And she was such a cool she still is, I hope, such a cool person that her dad she gave so much leeway to because she really loves him. And mm-hmm. so um Anybody else, I don't know any other celebrity w- would have tolerated what she did, but I think this was a, you know, a preacher who hit the jackpot with Jessica Simpson. And many people argue that that was part of the problem with that career, that she never really had anybody around her really fighting for her. They were fighting for themselves. I do remember after the divorce, snobby W magazine, which I love, like so nasty, <laughs> so nasty. And they sell like, f- what, 40,000? Oh, let's yeah. go crazy and sell 40,000 copies. And so they did Jessica on the cover after the divorce, but they were so rude about it. Like, that is not a girl they'd ever take. Like, she's not, yeah. like, she's not part of that clique of fabulous Giselle type people. Yeah. So they said they'd do Jessica, but they would do her if she used their hair and makeup people. So she couldn't uh-huh. use Ken Pavis and her friends. She passed. She, really? like, she And she ended up doing it. But I remember when they Did said... Did she pass because she didn't trust them or because no, she, she wanted to, to bring she her friends? she wanted to bring her friends. She's a real girl. She wants girl. to bring the... the whoever the metaphorical girl with the with the moisturizer behind her. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> she wanted to include her friends and stuff. And that's when I knew she was a good person. I know other celebrities that if you offered them a cover of a magazine, they'd sell their mother. Kill they'd kill, kill it. But like, no, Jess was like, I'll do it, but you have to use my team. And it took a lot of negotiations. I, I have such respect for her. She's a good person. Mm-hmm. So what was, how real was that? relationship because obviously she loved Nick and she might still love him like that was the love of her life she she was a virgin when she met him which I know was a fact Mm -hmm. like and I know it because the guy after Nick she slept with 
she thought he had a huge penis. John Mayer. And, uh, okay, confirm or deny, you don't have to. John Mayer? No, it was somebody else. Oh, it's a musician. Oh. It is a Ooh. musician. Listeners, Google this and figure out who it is and call in and tell me. He might be on a singing show as a judge. Ooh! Um, Damn, I wish I watched more of those singing shows right so now. So, she slept with this Sam, guy. Sam, Google it! <laughs> and she thought he had a huge penis. And me and Ken, we were like, what is it? Like, is it 12 inches? Like, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, it's like six. Which means Nick. <laughs> That's oh, how we Nick. know. That's how we know. No, she really loved Nick. She's like, and I, I think had Joe not meddled and had fame not entered her life, mm-hmm. she'd still be with Nick. Tell me about managing a breakup. There's always, it seems like there's so much misinformation of are they breaking up? Are they not breaking up? And all these different sources. Are people lying? You are know, people... you, you find out about it first from the uh, magazines and from the websites. So there's rumors out there and you get comment calls and then you call them. So if you called me from New York Magazine mm-hmm. and said, we've got this source that says Jessica and Nick is breaking up. I would be like, let, let me get back to you. And I'd text Jess or I'd text the manager. And I'd be like, there's a rumor out there that they're breaking up. And if it's silent, you know it's true. Ah. Like, so if they don't say anything. So then as a publicist, what do you do? Well, they lie to you. So the client lies always or doesn't tell you the whole truth. And so you have to figure out a way to deny it, but not to make you look like a liar because you don't want to do that. So you just have no, when someone says no comment, it's the cleanest, fastest, easiest way to get out of this. That's no comment is actually, it's it's complicated. Yes. Most people, most stupid people think no comment means it's true. You're smart. It doesn't mean it's true. It means it's complicated. It's not cut and dry yet. And celebrities like all of us, relationships don't go from yes to no. Yeah. Today we hate you. Tomorrow I love you. It's like a roller coaster, which I think most of us do in our our personal lives. I mean, there's so many times in an actual couple where Nick says it's over and Jess doesn't. Yes. yeah. Or he Mom and dad of, are breaking up. No, they're not. Yes, yeah. Or he goes out with his friends and he's like, oh, I love her, I love her. And the next night he's like, oh, I hate her. She's such a pain in the ass. And someone overhears that in a restaurant or a waiter. So these stories, like, they are fluid. Working with them is trying to manage the truth and trying to really figure out where that truth is. I'm not saying you tell the truth, but you need <laughs> to know the truth yourself yeah. so that then you can decide whether or not you lie or distort stuff or, or keep away from it. And, um, I, you know, I think I have more respect for, for publicists now I'm on the other side of the coin. Why I'm good at what I do is I was a publicist for 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know the gig. I know how it works. I know how the cards play. I know, like, there's a horrible trick where if you know something and you're too close to it, I'll leak it to somebody else to get it out quick. And I'll find someone that's really ah. sweet. So in the, I'm not sure it happens anymore, but in the old days, page six didn't really want to call you until after the Daily News had sort of closed. Mm-hmm. Because some people if, would give it to the Daily News, which was a much nicer uh-huh. outlet. So if something bad's happening and page six oh. finds out about it, I would rather it run the Daily News. If you comment, call me at 10 in the morning. And then Richard Johnson calls and doesn't say a word. He just sits there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You tell him everything. <laughs> but it's such it's a fun game to, to play. The rules have changed now with websites because stuff is so fast. A lot of times, I'm guilty of this too. You just hear a rumor and you go with it. You don't fact check it that much. But now their stories change. I, I laugh at these websites out there, the, the fix, the cop the sites. Oh, God, like, gossip. Yeah, God, like the right. ones that like, um, we, we, we know the truth. Oh, and what, yeah. they, what they do, they're more like mall cops. I mean, like, let's be honest. <laughs> like, they're self-appointed police who literally will take a publicist's statement 
as a fact. Mm-hmm. I was a publicist for a long time and I didn't always tell the truth. And I'm not saying I lied. I didn't know the truth. Yeah. So if I got a call that Jessica and Nick was breaking up and I texted Jess and I was like, oh, New York Magazine's asking, you know, saying you're breaking up. should write back, not true. And then I'd call back and be like, oh, it's, it's not true. Mm. And it wasn't a lie. Yeah. That's, that's what you're told. Mm-hmm. But then you know, like, you know when they don't text back that quick. You know. You read between the lines. Yeah, you, you, and you're around them. You know, like, you know with your own friends when they're in trouble. A lot of publicists, though, are not as close to their clients as you think. So mm. I used to love it on red carpets at events, especially at an award show like the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Because there's so many celebrities there. They put the publicist in a pen at the bottom. And as the celebrity <laughs> comes up, you jump out the pen and you grab your celeb and rush down the carpet. And I saw on multiple occasions, celebrities get out of the carpets and the publicist have to introduce themselves. Oh, no. I loved it. Well, so when you see that as a reporter, oh, that's when you're like, go for her. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but had I had drinks not with, on the ball. with that publicist afterwards, she could spend four hours talking about her friendship with her fabulous client. Oh, my goodness. Like, uh, you don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know Alicia Keys. So I worked for Alicia Keys for about yeah. two years. I really didn't know her. I didn't even have her email address. I didn't have a phone number. Everything went through her manager. Uh, you know, I'm sure I went out for drinks and told everybody that, you know, I was on fire. <laughs> I'm the boy on fire. Like, girl on fire is me. <laughs> it is not. She doesn't know my name. I've been thinking a lot about the way Taylor Swift sort of uses the paparazzi to She's build change, alter narratives. And I'm curious, how does it play out in terms of in a relationship? Like how overt is a celebrity when they're sort of recruiting somebody to be a sort of photo op boyfriend? Is there a kernel of truth there? I think it's like in real life. Mm -hmm. I think if you're the alpha, whether you're a female or a male, you know what you're attracted to. And I think Taylor's attracted to guys who will be in her shadow. And I don't mm-hmm. think she would ever date a George Clooney. Like, it's just not somebody that she wants to date. She's going to find somebody who who does what they're told. Like, she always dates someone that's a little less famous than her. Mm-hmm. She always dates somebody that is a little less wealthy than her. And so I think you'll never see Taylor with Justin Bieber. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's the king too. And like, so he, he likes to put stuff on Snapchat and Facebook, like all that stuff. She's the boss. Yeah. And so I think um, she picks her, I don't want to say victim, but she picks her gentleman very carefully. And I think that, um, I think part of that is subconscious too. I don't think she's sitting around thinking like, ooh, who will carry my handbag? Yeah. I think she sits around. She meets a guy and it feels right. Meets a guy, it feels right. And then the ones that are too too alpha or the ones that want to be in charge too, the control freaks like John John Mayer, yeah. those relationships don't last. So this one at the moment, Tom, friends Tom of Hiddleston. his. Yeah, from Britain a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's a really nice guy and I think he's loving this whirlwind of celebrity that he's in. He's loving she's sending her private plane to pick him up and they go to the beach and put photographs and I think um, it's intoxicating for, for actors or for anybody to be in the how, eye of the storm. How overt is it when she tells the paparazzi like Tom and I are going to be sitting on a rock in Rhode Island come at this such and such time? I mean how clearly do they communicate that if I, they I, are to be? I, I would imagine very clearly the paparazzi and the, the photo opportunities that I've been involved on both mm-hmm. ends setting up for a celebrity yes. or on the other end. How does that go? Recording. I will call you at the magazine and say at noon tomorrow X will be in Central Park go through the entrance on 74th Street she won't look at you be in the bush you'll be there for 20 minutes (laughs) because if you look at the pap then it's a stage picture so I always just look past you 
So do you, will you be on site to coach yes. the celebrity yeah. during so it? Them, so we'll drive in the car or wherever and we'll, they'll get out the car. They'll be in full drag, hair, makeup done, looking fabulous. And then I'll say, so you're going to walk to that bench. And if you look to the left in that bush, there is a photographer. But don't look. Don't look. look. <laughs> but I'll point out the bush in case she accidentally looks. I'm like, that's the bloody bush. You know, that's the one you're not meant to look at. So we're in the car. I'll say, you're going to walk to that bench, you're going to turn around and you're going to sweep your hair around and you're going to walk back to the car. Like Literally, it's two minutes of work and that poor pap has been in the bush or behind a tree or, or even just standing there. It's not even like... Um, yeah. Like the other real fabulous shot that we love is whenever someone's reading your outlet. So if there's a, a celebrity reading New York Magazine, a celebrity reading the Daily News, the celebrity reading mm-hmm. the Post, that is staged. Us Weekly I once stars saw, are like us. They exactly, read Us Weekly. Exactly. It makes us feel. I once saw a friend of mine was working at the Daily News and she had a lunch meeting with Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. And just before the meeting, he opened the door to his SUV, his big mm-hmm. black town yeah. car. And he was reading the Daily News and he happened to be reading her page. And a pap took his picture from behind reading her. Oh, so then she... So she felt fabulous. Like, Harvey reads me. And so I think that's the genius of that. But that's how specific these pictures can be. One night... um, you just need to go there and just pick up, go to the magazine stand, just pick up one after the other, right? That's and you're what in they every do. single one. That's what they do. And some <laughs> celebrities have been told off, like, don't do that. Like, the Real Housewives think, You're being oh, so slutty about I'm so it. Gen- I'm so genius. I was like, no, it doesn't work if you're in every newspaper. But um, <laughs> it's such a fascinating concept. After Tiger Woods split, I ended up having drinks with um, Rachel Yucatel, the, the woman oh, yeah. that allegedly got 10 million. Can you imagine 10? She was like mistress number one. Yes. I was like, Rachel, you're paying for drinks. Right. And... Um, <laughs> We had drinks and I tipped off. She knew knew I was doing it. I texted a paparazzi and I was like, we're going to be leaving this restaurant in 20 minutes if you want to like get Rachel. We walked out. The fool kissed me. I mean, I I mean, (laughs) no one's more gay than me. Like the photo desk, like like the photographer thought he hit the jackpots. Oh my God. Do they, do they pay you guys in money? No. Well, Rachel wants press. press. Yeah, Rachel wants press. Somebody like, you know, a Jessica Simpson or a Kim. Like when Kim got out the ocean in a bikini and Mm. it ended up on the cover of Us Weekly, that was set up and I'm sure money was exchanged. Do they just literally get like a consulting fee or something? The celebrity? Yeah. No, they get half the money. You know, the reason Joe was shooting Jessica was not only his artistic fulfillment, he was making a lot of money. It was at the mm-hmm. time when Us Weekly was selling a million copies a week. And, you know, Joe could make ten, twenty thousand $20,000 from, from a picture of uh, Jessica in a bikini or something. So Joe was making money from that. We were talking a little bit about sort of Kim and Taylor and stuff. When Kim sort of pulled the wool back on Taylor's games, and it's crazy to me that for some reason Taylor comes across as manipulative, and yet she's playing the exact same game Kim is, why does Kim come across as this like Machiavellian genius, but Taylor seems conniving? What is the hairline distinction that does that? It's a very interesting question. Kim is a maverick. Like Kim is the Donald Trump of celebrities. Like Kim will drop a bomb. Kim is like a pen and teller. She tells you how the tricks are done. Mm -hmm. And nobody's done that before. They're all playing from the same playbook. So it's the honesty. It's the honesty and we don't like it. Isn't it interesting? Mm -hmm. We don't like it. We think we like it and we like it at a distance. But Kim 
Kim could ruin this whole game we're playing. Kim ruins the foreplay. Kim doesn't uh-huh. do the dance. <laughs> Kim doesn't do the kiss. She's really honest about it. And like uh-huh. we know if we meet in a bar and we go back to my pub, we're going to have sex. But it's nice still to pretend we're not. Like it's nice in the cab to like hold hands. Oh, no, you know what? When it comes to sex, I think I'm a Kim. I'm just like, do you want to go back to my house and fuck? <laughs> I'm all Which Taylor. I imagine is how Kim. I, I'm all Taylor Swift. I blush. I bat my <laughs> eyelids. Oh, really? Oh, really? You want to kiss me? Really? Oh man, isn't that? You know, I imagine that's the way Kim fucks too. Like, <laughs> she just rips it off, and she's like, "Did you want to see my ass? Too bad. Here it is." Just like the paper magazine situation, right? <laughs> they didn't know that was going to happen. Really? So when she shot that, yeah. She was there. She didn't take her PR people. She went by herself. She was in that black dress and they put the champagne bottle on her ass and she did all those pictures. And then she poured, poured baby oil over herself and just... She goes, I'm going to take it off. Whereas, say, like, a the alternate version would be, oh, my goodness, it's just so hot here. Maybe I should... No, Kim said, want to see my ass and ripped it Taylor off. Taylor Swift would have said... So much it, respect. It fell off me and I'm so disgusted they ran those pictures. You violated me. Taylor plays the game very mm-hmm. successfully... But Taylor plays the game and she's not And it's that thing where all of a sudden somebody blew up the game and now all of a sudden we're kind of being like, how do we feel about this? Remember when Katie Couric called out Kim Kardashian, made fun of Kim Kardashian and Kim was like, funny you're making fun of me, Katie, because you sent me a gift when when my daughter was born. And here's the gift and the card. Boom. (gasps) Katie was like, oh! (laughs) Like she just, she just says it because she's got nothing to lose. Kim terrifies celebrities. Can you imagine being a Julia Roberts or an old school celebrity that's worked your ass off to be the queen of the world? Mm -hmm. And Kim has come along and blown you out of the water. Like, it is Kim's world now. It's uh, Even on my site... The traffic for Kim is staggering. Everyone tells me they hate her. Everyone tells me to stop doing, stop doing corner stories on Kim. And that's all they read. Kim (laughs) Kim rules the world. It's shocking. Amazing. Oh, we need you need to come back because I need to continue. I think Kim and Kanye are like the couple of our time. They're, they're, I'm fascinated. Oh my God. Do you remember when they were on that like f- like 72 hour date oh. and every single step they took, and then all of a sudden there was a nighttime, and the next morning she had a hickey. Yeah, it was so I'm good. Like, I'm just I'm obsessed with it, and it's shown too with Caitlyn. Without Kim, it doesn't work. Kim yeah. is the glue to the success of this show and the success of this whole empire. She's sort of like really boring. Have you ever met her? No. Dull as dishwater. Says nothing. Couldn't be more boring. Like, really. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Kim Howie. Yeah. But what she does do, and it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, and I've got to feel like my dad here, but Kim works. Kim Mm. gets up on time. If you said a Kim, you have to get up at five o'clock to do a radio satellite to sell your lip gloss to Japan, she'll be there. Yeah. She'll sit there and she'll play the game and she'll do the work. Paris wouldn't turn up. Like Paris, I'm not uh, doing that. Kim does the work. And she, I was talking to um, Merle Ginsburg, who ghost her. wrote. Where Paris's is she now? Book. Where is she? Merle, you know, I don't know where she. She changes she, job every week. Yeah, she's always in a different. <laughs> she's doing job. lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she's still in LA, and I'm not totally sure. But I remember what she said. Her very diplomatic way of when I was like, "So, what was it like ghost writing for <laughs> Paris? Like what?" Um, and she goes, "Paris is all about the visual." <laughs> Which means she looked at the cover. Said her she, ghostwriter. She didn't read the book. If you asked Paris what, what was in the book, she But did. it is true that there is a genius to creating the visual moment. And there's a genius to creating the visual and creating all the material that powers it. Yeah, is what it Kim is. Does. And, and it's, that's the world we live in. Like, I hate this as somebody talking to, like, a real writer. Like, you write. <laughs> I really don't. I type at best. Like, I type Well, I am fine to transcribe what you say and run the Q&As <laughs> on nymag.com. FYI, everyone, they are all my favorites but I, every time Rob Shooter tells off. I just type away and a great headline 
design and a great picture is really what we, it's Instagram. It's really what we want. People are too lazy even now to read Twitter. Like it's just <laughs> we just want a great picture and a headline, and that's what Paris and Kim does. Yeah. like they're sort of like um, editors for this new age. They they mm-hmm. they're, they're geniuses. That I learned it from Puffy when I worked with Diddy. Mm-hmm. What what I learned from Puff is just have a really strong visual is all you need. Like yeah. it's just. It's just about something that's arresting and interesting, captures your eye, rather than rattling on and on and on. And I worry a little bit. I don't know about the Esquires and these long, long stories, like, you know, these thousand-word stories that barely exist anymore. I don't know what the future's going to be for those. I think they're going to get shorter and shorter. Well, you're able to get so much information just from seeing Taylor kissing Tom on the same day that Kim is blowing her up on Snapchat, right? Those two things coinciding actually tells you an infinite story. And she, too, just to show you how controlling Taylor is, her team have mirrors they carry with them to blind paparazzi that they don't want. Oh wow! Yeah. So if you're if you're not invited to take that picture, but you know there's something happening of Taylor, they will hold up mirrors. Oh my to, God! To it's like the block. inverse of Medusa. To kill Medusa, you need to hold a mirror to look at her. To kill the paparazzi and protect the warrior queen, you use the mirror to get rid of her foes. She uses a mirror. Amazing. And they also too, they carry flashlights. Her security team carry flashlights. So if you if she's on the beach and she doesn't want and she sees you in a boat and you're not the pap she wants, you will have lights, lasers glared at your lens. So when you're taking those pictures, they just come out as, as white oh light. Oh my God. And then you turn into stone like Medusa. <laughs> I love this so much. So on that note, we're, we're running out of time, but Rob, you have got to come back and tell us more. I mean, we need to go over the J-Lo Ben divorce. Oh gosh, that was marvelous. Oh my God. I know, Can I know. Run me the- she set up a great, we're just talking about setting up pictures. When she was doing Made in Manhattan, her and um, Ray Fiennes hated, hated uh-huh. each other. And I think it got out that they hated each other. And so they went to the Ivy and like had dinner or lunch mm-hmm. and the paps was there. It's really interesting. If ever you go for dinner with somebody and you're remotely famous, this will never happen to us. But if ever you do, <laughs> never sit in the window. If you sit in the window, that means there's a pap across the street. Especially if the restaurant is window, they call right. So every time JLo is like, "Marine, do you want to have dinner?" I'm like, "Not the window, JLo. I don't want don't the press do the today. window." And if she really wants to mess with you, she'll do it at the Blue Fin, which is all windows in Times Square. <laughs> that's when they. Re- that's how they got Rachel Ray's husband when they he allegedly cheated. He and the the mistress, the lady, <gasps> went to Blue Fin. So they did that on purpose. And they sat. The woman was set up to do it. So the the when she took him. Like, if you're doing something naughty and I'm like, oh, let's go for dinner. And we'll so he s- wanted to, like, humiliate her. No, he, the girl set him up. Oh. Yeah, so if you're... She yes, wanted to be like, wanted, this is mine. She wanted the money for those pictures. Oh. So if you... Um, don't go to the blue fin Don't go to the blue hiding. fin. Or sit upstairs. Don't <laughs> sit in the window. If you sit in the window and you're famous, there's something... Or if efficient. I ever get a date with a famous person, I'm definitely taking them to the blue fin. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to call you, Rob, and you're going to be in the bushes. I'll have my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Rob. You're absolutely coming back. We're going to talk. We have so much more to do. I find it so interesting that you find me so delightful. Like, oh my God, honestly, I love you. In Britain, I'm just another Brit. In America, I'm Is so Is all of Britain like this? Because I'm yeah, moving to I'm London. The, I'm the most boring of all my five brothers and sisters. I always tell my mommy like, that I'm on TV and she's like, what would anybody want to watch you for? And I'm like, she's kind of got a good point. Oh, oh well. my gosh. Well. You should move to Britain. You'd be marvellous over there. 
<laughs> well, if you love Rob, check out NaughtyGossip.com. On Twitter, he's NaughtyNiceRob. And here's a reminder, you can always reach our voicemail box here at Sex Lives at 646-494-3590. Call in with questions for Rob because we're going to have him back real soon and he will answer your questions about celebrity love, celebrity yeah. setups. Any celebrities, I love it. Like, you know, who has bad breath? Who has bad skin? Oh we'll do God, them all. Rob. We'll do them all. Uh, Brad Pitt doesn't have very good skin, so we'll do whatever you want. I'll tell you all the secrets. How, how cruel that his name is Pitt. Oh, oh gosh, you're so witty. See, that would never have played on Naughty Gossip. Too smart. Well, anyways, if you like what you're hearing at Sex Lives, rate and review us on iTunes. It makes sure that people listen and we're able to keep doing this. Sex Lives is produced by Sam Digman and edited by AC Valdez. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you next week and thanks for listening. Hold up. 